please follow in the reading of these 13 verses. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which is given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations has not been made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit, to be specific, that Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body, fellow partakers of the promises of Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which is given to me according to the working of His power. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Therefore, I ask you, Not to lose heart in my tribulations on your behalf, for they are for your glory. Father, we come now to drink deeply of the word of life. Father, to be overwhelmed that you in eternity past set in motion what we have today is our Holy Bible. And that, Father, you give it to us to strengthen us, to encourage us. Father, to... Show us the riches that are beyond human understanding that belong to your children. Help us, Lord. Help us. Help us to hear these words. Help us to know and make them real to each and every one of us. In Christ's name, amen. We've been in this book for a little while. And we looked in chapter 1 that God came up with a plan before creation. And the plan was to create a bride for his son. The bride is known as the church. This is before creation, in eternity past. In chapter 2, he showed us how this was to come about and what it was going to look like. And he called it the body of Christ. And that each child of God, Jew or Gentile, Master or slave, male or female, are all equal. Are all equal. There is no distinctions in the body of Christ. There are no divisions in the body of Christ. There's no uniqueness in the body of Christ. We are one. We are one. Now, in Paul's time, that was absurd. Because... The Jews knew they were God's chosen people. And then you have them Gentiles. And the Gentiles were those who could speak Greek. And then you had us wonderful ones who are Gentiles who can't speak Greek. And we are the barbarians. Which I wear the moniker proudly. Okay? 
But then you can expand it and you can realize that the oneness that exists in the body of Christ is completely supernatural and is non-existent mindset to humanity. Look around and look at the church now. We have this oneness, but we are bound and determined to put up some barriers. You know, what is a youth ministry? What is that? That is a division. That says that this group is different than this group. Well, we have a women's ministry. We have a young singles ministry. We have a young married ministry. We have, you know, are we allowed to say old people's ministries? Whatever. (laughs) No, we all are ministering saints. To each and every one of us. And yet, sometimes I don't understand what it is. The Apostle Paul gets specific here in these first 13 verses of chapter 3. As he ended, and he will conclude it, this section, with a prayer. And the prayer is, I hope you get this. I mean, that's how I'd have prayed it. But he's already did it. He did that in chapter 2 because he says, I've just told you things that happened in eternity that should blow your mind, which is beyond human comprehension. And I better pray that you get a handle on it. Because this is out of your ability. And I want you to just look around. Right now, just look around. We are one in Christ. Do you understand that? I mean, we can acknowledge it, but do we act like it? Paul, in this, speaking of the mystery revealed, he's already showed us that he's a prisoner of the mystery. When he writes this letter, he's literally in prison. You know why he's in prison? For preaching that Jew and Gentile are one in Christ. So when he says, I am a prisoner of this, he ain't exaggerating. He's in prison for preaching that message. But he showed us in verses 5 to 6 the plan of this ministry. Other generations made known to the sons of men has now been revealed. It was never known. I mean, there were little glimpses of it. In the Old Testament, Jonah had to go where? Nineveh. That was full of Gentiles. Nasty ones too, to be honest with you. If you go study your history and you realize that they were some sickos. And he knew that if God was sending him there, then that means God was going to redeem some. And the temple mound, the temple had the court of the Gentiles. It was right next to the court of the Jews. So there were little glimpses, but no one thinks that they would take it this far. Joint heirs? Fellow partakers of the promises to Israel? And you stood up in public and said that? In Jerusalem? I was in Jerusalem once. I wasn't brave enough to say that. Especially after I talked to a rabbi who described to me the Messiah he was looking for was the Antichrist of my Bible. And I thought, I probably shouldn't share that with him. (laughs) I mean, I would like to get out of here. So he gets more specific. And now he moves into verses 7 through 9 on the preaching of this ministry. Okay? 
He gets specific because in verse 14, he prays that they understand this. We are looking what I call the preaching of this ministry. This preaching, this mystery that had not been known until now. Okay, what did he preach? When we talk about preaching of a ministry, what is... He preaching. Now then, I want you to know something, okay? When you're saved, you are now a minister. You are a servant. Okay, that's all that means. Okay, I know everybody thinks, oh, he's a minister. Uh, I get people, well, you're a minister. Well, yeah, everybody I know that's saved is a minister. They are some type of a servant. Now, for me, as with the Apostle Paul, their service was what? Preaching. Preaching and teaching. Okay? So that's what my ministry at this point in my existence is. Alright? So this should be the message of any godly preacher. If you believe that you have a preaching and teaching ministry then you might want to really pay attention to this. What is it? Okay. He says, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of His power. Do you understand that? I don't care how much you study. I don't care. I remember sitting in a class one time on sentence diagramming. And this guy, Robert Thomas, Dr. Robert Thomas, he's the only human being ever that has written an exegetical commentary on the book of Revelations. Don't you find that fascinating? He's the only one that's ever done it. There's all kinds of books about Revelations, but I look at it and say, all right, how in, you're telling me in 2,000 years we got one exegetical? You know what that means, right? It's the context. This is what the book says. I ain't worried about what Joshua says. I don't care what Isaiah says. I don't care what Thessalonians says. This is what the book says. That's an exegetical. Okay. Anyway, I remember him sitting down and explaining to me how, and there was a class of us, how to diagram sentences, and he's going through, and he had, and he's excited, and he got the noun, and he got down here the verbs, and he got all of these over here, and he got this, and the adjectives over here, and they modify this, and the adverbs modify, and, and he gets down, and he says, and then once you get ready, he says, that's the framework for your sermon. And I was like, I better get saved. <laughs> this ain't no way I'm going to do that for a sermon. I mean, no, I am not doing a sentence diagram to preach a sermon. I have at times written the text, so I got it back to a a letter, so there wasn't, you know, here's the paragraph, here's the paragraph, here's the paragraph. I'm not going to do no sentence diagram. You can have all that stuff, but I realize this. When I read this here, it was given to me by God's grace, according to the working of His power. And His power says... You don't want to be doing sense diagramming. (laughs) Just for your heads up. Okay? To me, the very least of all saints. You understand what that is? If you want to be an effective preacher or teacher, you know what your number one attribute has to be? Probably your second one, too. And you know what? You're probably your third. So your first three. Humble. And I told you what the definition of humility is, right? 
complete loss of pride. The two of them don't live, live together in the same container. So if you want to be an effective preacher, you had better be the humblest of the group. Okay? So he said there that he was the least of all saints. This grace was given to me to preach. To preach. To proclaim. To the Gentiles. I'm grateful to him every day. Okay? What is the godly preacher to preach? What is the message? This mystery thing. What am I supposed to tell you? Thought you'd never ask. Depending on your translation, it may say the unsearchable riches of Christ or the unfathomable riches of Christ. Now, I want you to stop and think about this. This is crucial insight into the ministry. Okay? Crucial. And you know what I know for a fact? Even in this group, it's missing. And yet the Apostle Paul says, first and foremost, what? I am to preach and I am to teach the unfathomable riches of Christ. What are the unsearchable, what are the unfathomable riches of Christ? I thought you would never ask. They are all the truths about him. Okay? And all that he means to us. Individually and collectively. This is the priority of the ministry. The unsearchable riches of Christ. To tell people how rich they are in Christ. Look around. Look around. And if you have to start someplace, go check out a mirror. Preaching the believer's position. Look around. This is missing. This understanding is missing in the body of Christ. Listen, we all know that, man, you are to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for you. And women, you are to submit to your own husband. We know those. We know all. We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I know that's exactly what I'm supposed to do. And I will love my neighbor as myself. We know all that. Okay? But I've watched you. Some of you ain't having any fun with any of that. And you know why? You don't know what you possess. You don't know what you have. So many in the body of Christ right now, and I'm being specific to Castle Rock Baptist Church, are looking at the here and now. I'm not here to admonish you. I'm not here to make you feel bad. Did you know that? Did you know that that's not what a Christian's responsibility is? And yet, you know what? We do that so well. And I know emphatically that that hurts the Holy Spirit's feelings. Because he said that was his job. And who hired you? 
I'm here to tell you how rich you are in Christ. The unsearchable riches, the unfathomable riches. I have been sent by God, like the Apostle Paul was, and every other man of God to proclaim these unfathomable riches of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Unfathomable. You know what that word means? If it's unsearchable in your Bible or unfathomable in your Bible, you take it back to the original angles in in the Greek, you know what it means? can't be measured. The riches of Christ can't be measured. I kind of look at it this way. There ain't no bottom. You can't exhaust it. And yet, look at the average Christian and tell me they're living a life that looks like that. You know, I can watch you guys run around. Well, I need to be doing this, and I need to be doing that, and I need to be... But you have no idea what you possess. We'll make little cliches. You just can't outgive Jesus. Or what is it, uh, that one I just read the other day? The church treasurer is worried about what you give. God is worried about what you keep. See, we've got all them little cute things. We Oh, yes, oh, yes. But do you realize what you possess? You know what? I can have the joy of just telling you how rich you are. It's unfathomable. It's inexhaustible. If you are a Christian, you are rich. You are so rich, it's beyond your understanding. Beyond your comprehension. As a minister... It is our task to tell you how rich you are. Colossians 1. God had called him to preach the riches of Christ. God wanted him to make known the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles. How rich are you? And look at what we sell out for. I think I can get a new car. I think I can get an old car. There's a guy down here on, uh, what's that, Wilcox. 1970 Dodge Charger with a blower sticking through the hood. Yeah! That's it! So I put a request into my father. Yo! I don't even know how much it costs. You got the financing card? Purple. You betcha. I could get into trouble just as quick as I could get out of trouble. And I said, why didn't you put that out there in front of me, Lord? I just drive by one time and go, my wife's looking for a car. I'll give her my pickup. (laughs) This mystery, these riches... The glory of the mystery among the Gentile. He wants me to make known the riches of the glory of this mystery. You know what the mystery is? The church. Now then, I'm going to ask you a very personal question. How important is the church to you? Because that's the essence of the riches. That's where it's at. 
How important is it? If you are in the church, there are riches being in the church. You need to know how rich you are. A great part of preaching the Word of God must be declaring to the people the riches of Christ. Christ is manifest where? That's His body. Do you know it's going to become His bride? Well, it's going to be, if it's His body, it's going to become His bride. I'm thinking it might have just a little bit of importance to Him. Maybe just a little. Let me give you some cursory lookings at the riches of Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Ephesians 1, 7. His grace is rich. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. 2, 4, Romans. His goodness and patience are rich. Romans 11, 33. 11.33 God's wisdom and knowledge are rich. Ephesians 2.4 2.4 His mercy is rich. Ephesians 3.16 His person is rich. 1 Timothy 6.17 His blessings are rich. Colossians 2.2 Colossians 2.2 His assurance is rich. Colossians 3.16 One of my favorite. His word is rich. Hebrews 11.26 11.26 Our suffering for Him is rich. Ephesians 3, 18 and 19. His love is rich. So when I speak of the unsearchable, when I speak of the unfathomable, I can speak of His grace, His goodness, His patience, His wisdom, His knowledge, His mercy, His person, His blessings, His assurance, His word, our sufferings, and His love. Brothers and sisters, that's just a few. I could go on indefinitely here. Why? Because it can't be exhausted. Listen, we... You and I, every one of us, need to proclaim the riches of Christ. And if we have to, sometimes we might want to use words. It should be seen. I had a person, a lot of people will ask me, how are you doing? I say, having a blast. And they'll see me later, how are you doing? Having a blast. And so I finally got a guy who said, how's come every time I talk to you, you're having a blast? I said, because I'm a child of the Most High God. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. There is no temptation that sees me that is not common to man. He's always provided a way out that I may stand under it. And all I must do is entrust my soul to Him. And you know what? How can you not have a blast? And he just stood back. 
Can I get an oil change on my motorcycle? <laughs> sure. And I'll have a blast doing it. I'll take you back a few months. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. You know what the great philosopher said on that? Shazam! The forgiveness of our sins and trespasses by the riches of His grace. You know what? We should talk about this. We should walk about this. When it all should be on the focuses of the riches of His grace. You know what I really like about it? Guess what? They are all ours right now. And forever. Then in uh, Ephesians 1.18, I pray that the eyes of your hearts might be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling, what is the riches of the glory of His inheritance to the saints. Why? Because you can't get this on your own. And I pray that God will show you. So Paul tells us he has been called to preach of the riches of Christ Jesus. I'm not just here. You are not just here to tell you what God wants you to do. That is our greatest flaw in the evangelical body in the United States. We want to tell everybody how they are supposed to be. Instead of what you have. Because once you understand what you have, then you'll already be acting the way you're supposed to. That's amazing to me. I guess you guys all know it. None of you seem amazed about it. So, yeah, well, I knew that. What's the matter with you, man? I am here to tell you that you have been blessed with all spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. You are complete in Him. You have all things that pertain to life and godliness. You are rich. That's something to think about. See, we like to get the negatives of sin. We like to point it out. Well, I think that's a sin. And it's like, well, the Holy Spirit on vacation, He just what? If a person is a believer in Jesus Christ, he's indwelt by the Holy Spirit, what do you think he's hiding? Can't hide it. Can't hide it. You're rich. But I do want to share with you something. As a believer in Jesus Christ, You possess everything that Jesus Christ possessed. Right now. You got it. It's unfathomable. It's unexhaustible. There's no bottom. Okay? Just want you to know that. But I also want to share with you something out of 1 Corinthians 4. Corinthian church was a wonderful church. 
Okay? What a bunch of knuckleheads. Okay? But they're no different than us. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 says this. You are already filled. You are already become rich. You have become kings without us. And indeed, I wish that you had become kings so that you might, that we might reign with you. Okay? That's my favorite, one of my favorite verses of Paul because he shows sarcasm and my wife hates my sarcasm, but I'm being Paulish. So there. Okay, you know what he just told the Corinthians? You can forfeit your riches. Okay, now be careful, be careful. Okay. Let me see if... I'm going to explain it in a... If, it, see if you can understand this. Okay, here was the things that were going on in the Corinthian church. I'm not going to go with all of them because there was a ton bunch. But they had a little problem with pride. Well, actually, they had a very large problem with pride. Okay? They had a huge problem with ambition. Okay? If you have pride and ambition, then you know you have a bumper crop of self-will. Okay? If you've got self-will, then everything's focused on what? Self-glory. And all of those sins made the Corinthians... Beggars. And yet, you've got to understand something about the Corinthian church. It was a church. It was the body of Christ. And yet, you've got pride, ambition, self-will, self-glory. Made them poor. Okay? Now, I want, you to exp- I want to explain this to you because I don't want you to get... As a Christian... The Corinthians did not lose their bank account. Okay? They lost their account number and their checkbook. So they couldn't draw on their account. So in the body of Christ today, as I see it, one, we are ignorant of what we have. Or two, our sin has negated our ability to access the account. The account's still there. It's yours. But if you've got a side order of pride, ambition, self-will, self-glory, a few other odds and ends in there, guess what? You don't know what the account number is. The resource is always there. But the Corinthians couldn't draw from it. And I can tell you, you are rich on one hand. But I can also tell you that you can forfeit access to those riches. Okay? Okay? Let me give you another illustration. Let's see if I can find it. There we go. The Amen, the faithful, and the true witness, the beginning of creation of God says this I know your deeds. You know what that means? 
You're a church. You have access to the riches of God. The unfathomable riches of Christ Jesus are yours. I know your needs. But I say, I because you say I am rich, and I have become wealthy, and I have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Now, please understand, that is a church. That is a church. The church of Laodicea. Tells them in verse 18, I advise you, I think that's a neat way of phrasing that, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself. And that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes as that you may see. Laodicea was known. They had a salve that they had made. And I can't tell you what it was made out of. Very common in that area. And what they call the fertile crescents was syphilis. Okay. And when a child was born by a syphilis bearing mother, they would be blind. Okay, but the Laodiceans had come up with this salve and they could put it on the eyes and it would rectify the situation. But he says, you need to buy salve from me. Your salve ain't working for what you got. Okay, you need to buy clothes because you're naked and your body ain't one of those that should be exposed. Okay, you think you're rich. I suggest you buy gold for me that has been what? Refined by fire. Now, let me tell you something, Castle Rock Baptist Church. We had better start looking at the tribulations that each of us is going through as a blessing of God's refining fire making us purer. We had better be investing ourselves in the eternal clothing of Christ Jesus rather than paneling our homes and worrying about what we're going to do for dinner. We had better be on getting the right salve for our eyes so we can see the foolishness of what we're doing or not. That is the riches of Christ Jesus that you and I have access to. And I will ask you a simple question. Are you accessing that account? Or do you think you're good enough that you don't need access to that account? I struggle with it. Perhaps you don't. You have forgotten all that you possess, Laodicea. And you are really poor, naked, and blind. And yet you have deceived yourself thinking that you are rich, clothed in elegance, and see where no man has seen. So the ministry to preach is to the riches, the unsearchable, unfathomable, unexhaustible riches of being in Christ Jesus. Yet we are to warn that we don't forfeit the access to those riches. Why? 
There are so many defeated, ineffective, unhappy, doubting, fearful, non-productive Christians in the body of Christ right now that one of these two things is missing. If they do know the riches, then I know it's sin. If they don't know the riches, you know what? That's sin too. Because if an old hillbilly like me can find them, why can't you? They're not hard to spot. Too many in the body of Christ do not know how rich they are. And it comes in one of two reasons. One, they don't know. Or two, they can't use their riches because of their own sin. Self-glory. Paul told young Timothy, speaking of the church and what it will be, he says there will come a time when men will not hear sound words. And the word sound there in the original language is a word we get hygienic from. Clean words. That comes from where? The Bible. And, but they will be What? Lovers of self. Charles Spurgeon says, everything else comes out of that sewer pipe. And I thought, yeah, Charles, that works. So there's one or two reasons that we don't work in our position. And we're fearful. We're defeated. We're unproductive. It's either I don't know what I possess. Or I refuse to accept it. That is the minister's task on the vertical. Okay? I speak on behalf of God to the saints of God so that they understand the riches of Christ so that they may walk in them. Alright? Next week, at verse 9, I will show you the horizontal of those riches. Alright? Let's cash in. What do you think? Let's pray. Father, we come before you, the author and the finisher. Father, um, I still wrestle with the riches that you have given your foolish child. And yet, Father, in your faithfulness and your glory, you continue. Father, help me. Help me to walk in the wealth that is in Christ Jesus, knowing that it is inexhaustible, that it has no bottom. Father, may our goals not be to just get by. May our goals be to revolutionize the planet with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the riches that are in Christ Jesus. Father, this task is way beyond mortal man. So, Father, I'm begging you now. Take each of these vessels and let them turn the world upside down where they are. To you, my King, in Christ's name, amen.